one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. We were just saying how we cannot believe that this is the one that our listeners chose for our 100th slash two-year anniversary episode. But personally, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised because it did seem sort of like an left out of left field choice. Yeah. Um, I was surprised because it didn't have the highest amongst the pre-voting right. suggestions. It wasn't the highest, but then when I put it amongst other topics, it won like overwhelmingly. I like being surprised with this sure. kind of stuff. I kind of was fine with any of them. So I guess I think with- we'll probably do all of the other choices at some point. Most likely. Of course. I mean, with that being said, we should probably say uh, happy anniversary to ourselves. Oh, yeah. Happy anniversary. I, uh, <laughs> it's, hey, we had a nice dinner tonight. Oh, yeah. So we didn't even mean to. Of, yeah, we celebrated. I'm so stuffed, but I'm going to do my best to get through this without being like a sluggish. I ate like a whole pizza and a dessert. I mean, Rachel did so too. So good. No, I'm feeling like <laughs> sluggish too, definitely, but I'm. I'm I have to carry the Desi <laughs> has to carry. I just can sit here like a fucking log. But I did want to say thank you to all of our listeners and for supporting us for the past two years. I cannot yeah. believe that this show took off the way that it did. And that is all thanks to you guys. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you guys. And happy 100th episode as well. Yeah. 100th main episode. Right. We have lots of bonus content. This is my segue. This oh, is yeah. my segue. We have lots of bonus content that is available on patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. If you donate over there, you will get a show shout out. And this week, these are the people who donated. We have Tessa, Lee, Susan, Christina, Ashley, Patricia, KT, Emily, Karen, David, Trisha, Elaine, Tara, Patricia, Beth. And that's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. So if you don't know, if you're not on our Facebook group, then you probably didn't vote and don't know what this episode is. Well, I guess you do because it's in the title. (laughs) I forget that people know. know. It's like we're always revealing it. Right. The choice that won was celebrity manslaughter, like just in general. Now, I did narrow it down to celebrity vehicular manslaughter because there's a lot of cases and I thought Maybe we'll do another episode at some point. Or some of those other manslaughter cases might be full episodes. Right. So uh, this is going to be mostly vehicular um, manslaughter, and there's a lot. So I'm going to get started. So the first one that I think was actually like in the title that I put was like celebrity manslaughter, um, parentheses, Matthew Broderick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that was my example. So right. Maybe that's what helped push it over. Um, so yeah, the first person I'm going to talk about is Matthew Broderick. So he's actually one of the biggest stars to have killed someone via his car. And it's also one that I've seen a bunch throughout the years where people are shocked. Like, hey, today I learned that Matthew Broderick killed someone with a vehicle. 
Like I always see that story and I've kind of feel like I've known about it forever myself. I've only known about it for as long as people have posted that they're shocked to learn. Like it wasn't something that I just knew for since it happened. Right. Well, it was, it's a pretty long time ago. Um, so that's not surprising. I also feel like people are shocked because he has such a wholesome pers- persona. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's it's like, not like he had drug problems, you know, like some kind of other aspects of his life that were like, well, yeah, when you drunk drive, you kill someone or whatever. Right. Like it's not like that kind of thing. It's kind of one of the more shocking cases. Yeah. So basically what happened is in August of 1987, Matthew was on a secret vacation in Northern Ireland with his then secret girlfriend, Jennifer Gray. They had met on the set of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She plays his sister in the movie, I was going to say, that's like really funny that they dated. Uh, yeah. So that's like kind of hot that you got turned <laughs> on by your sister in the movie. Like I've, I've read about that a lot, like couples who play siblings and start dating. There's got to be some weird, like that has to be a little weirdness because you're acting as brother and sister. Right. I know it's not, you're not legally committing incest or anything like that, but it's like, how do you go from playing a sister, especially those two kind of hate each other? Maybe because there's so much hate that they yeah. have, they want to hate they fuck each hate other. They want to hate fuck each other. So that's what happened with Matthew and Jennifer, I guess. He's about to film his movie, Biloxi Blues, and she's kind of like about to go on this major press tour, whatever, for Dirty Dancing. Like, Dirty Dancing hadn't come out yet, I don't think. So they're kind of taking this little vacation together before their next big job. They're both huge thing. stars at this time. Well, she's not really. She's not yet, yeah, but she's he, not. he is he a is. huge star. You're right. So... um so they're in Northern Ireland. Um, after flying into Northern Ireland, they rent a BMW 316. And on August 5th, 1987, they kind of start driving around Northern Ireland, like throughout all of these different towns. Irvinstown to McGuire's Bridge is like one little route they were taking. I have no idea where those places are, but we have some listeners in Ireland yeah. and UK. Um, so... At some point along the way, they stop at a gas station, get directions from a police officer, and it starts raining. So not only are they in like a foreign country that they don't really know that well, it's also raining, which definitely adds an element of danger to driving around. They get back on the road and eventually um, encounter an even bigger downpour. At that point, they stop at another gas station, and then they get back on the road. At this point, the pavement is really slick from the rains. So at about approximately 3 p.m. in the afternoon, they found themselves outside of a town called Enniskillen, and they start to get a little bit lost at this point. So they get back on track. They ask an off-duty police officer for directions. After um, listening to them, the officer informs them that the route they were on was just stupid and offered to lead them to a more sensible road. So... Broderick doesn't really take this guy's advice. He's like, no, this is the way we want to go. We don't want to change our plans. And they depart and go along the original route that they were planning on going. The officer follows their car for a few miles, and he notes that Broderick wasn't going very fast. He estimated that the car was moving around 40 miles per hour. At the same time as this, um, two women, Margaret Doherty, a 63-year-old widow, she has suf- she suffers from multiple sclerosis. Her daughter kind of cares for her. This woman had been like in a wheelchair for five years. Like she's, you know, really suffering from this disease. Um, she's driving with her daughter, um, who is 28 years old, and her name is Anna Gallagher. Now they live just 45 miles away from where this incident will take place. Um, she basically kind of 
takes her mother shopping and does all this stuff. And I'm, I'm guessing from where they are, everything is kind of far away. Yeah. Like it's in the middle of the country. So to go into town to shop is like a, quite a drive. Basically what happens is Matthew Broderick goes on the wrong side of the road. Like obviously, oh. as we all know, in America, we drive on the right side of the road. Pretty much every country, I think, <laughs> drive on the left side of the road, or at least in the UK and like Australia. The, are, we, are we like one of the only countries who drive on the right side of the road? I wouldn't be surprised. We're like the only country who uses like not the metric system. Yeah. What's so, it called? <laughs> What's not the metric system I called? I literally have no idea. <laughs> the not metric system. <laughs> so he basically hits them head on because he's driving on the wrong side of the road, wow. which is literally my fear of yes. driving in those countries because it's like... How do you adjust to that? Like, yeah. do you have to constantly think like, don't that drive w- on that side of the road. Don't drive on that side of the road. Like that would be, it would be weird just getting in a car with the steering wheel on the other side. To yeah. Me. It sounds scary to me to drive in like a foreign country. Totally. I don't know why. Like, but lots I don't, of people just do it. Yeah. And that's always something that me personally freaks me out yeah. to, to do for myself. So these poor women basically die instantly. Wow. Like they're hit head on. They fucking die instantly. Matthew Broderick is also very injured. He basically breaks his legs. He has fractured ribs, a concussion, a collapsed lung. Oh my God. So he's severely injured as well. Uh, Jennifer Gray, she has very minor injuries. Like she kind of has some whiplash and like stuff like that. Like, yeah. like she walks away from the accident. She doesn't have to be hospitalized. He, Matthew Broderick is rushed to earn hospital after this accident. The women are also rushed there, but they're pretty much, they were DOA. Like they were pretty much dead. So according to an officer who was there, and this is like before they even know who he is, they don't, they just know he's American. He says, we had to cut the side away from the American's car to get him out and to give him first aid. His main concern was for the people in the other car. He kept saying, did I hurt them? Did I hurt them? But Broderick at the time tells the police he has no recollection of the crash and he didn't know that he why he was in the wrong lane. I don't remember the day. I don't remember even getting up in the morning. I don't remember making my bed. When I first remember is what I first remember is waking up in the hospital with a very strange feeling going on in my leg. Now, I have been in a really bad car accident where I literally woke up in the ambulance. And that is something I buy because I really had no idea what happened in that moment immediately after. Right. I didn't know what had happened, where I was. Like That's I didn't so start to scary. piece it together until the next day. Like then I sort of had memories, but it, I can see like I don't I don't discount that he didn't remember. Like yeah. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it it is believable to me. Although some people kind of gave him shit for that that quote or for saying that he didn't remember. That's really uh so he basically gets stabilized and then gets transferred to Belfast Royal Victoria Hospital. I guess that's like a bigger town hospital. He is actually there for a month. Like that's how severely injured he was from this accident. And eventually um, he is charged with reckless driving. And that has a hefty prison sentence in Northern Ireland, like if he was convicted of that. He is eventually allowed to return to the United States. He pays a $4,000 bail, basically. Um, He was facing up to 10 years in prison, five for each death, but he got off um, pretty much on a much lesser charge. He was convicted of careless driving. He was ordered to pay a $175 fine, and um, basically he ended up paying less than $5,000 for what had happened, this accident that he caused. Uh, the victim's family obviously were not super thrilled about this. They considered yeah. it to be a travesty of justice. 
Like he did do things where he was apologetic. Like this is not someone who didn't feel bad about this at all. He left a note after the accident to the family members saying that he was really sorry, but then he didn't contact them again. Um, 15 years later, he reached out to the family again, only this time he wanted to meet in person and the family had said that they looked forward to meeting him and that there was no bad feelings, but I think he ended up not doing the meeting. But I mean, he's like a celebrity. So I'm imagining it's like logistically, maybe things came up or do you know what I mean? Like what he wanted to do maybe, or maybe even his lawyers are like, you can't fucking right. tell them you're, you're sorry. Like who, who the hell knows? Right. Obviously, regardless of all of that kind of nonsense, it did leave like a huge mark on his psyche. Like it fucked him up. Uh, yeah. Majorly. He killed two people. Right. Like whatever. Obviously it's not intentional, but his actions led to the death of these two women. One of them who was very sick and one of them who was only 28 years old. Right. And then that's two deaths in a family, like the mother and sister, obviously. I cannot imagine what that would do to you emotionally. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine, like, I can't imagine what the family went through. I can't imagine what he went through. It's just, like, tragic all around. It's just a horrible accident. Yeah. And that, that something like that can just affect so many people. Right. Um, now, there was a sort of funny, or funny is not the right word, but, like, a weird little thing. Um, the brother and son of the victims, his name is Martin Doherty. He he did, like I said, later say he forgave Broderick. Um, and then at some point in February of 2012, Broderick was featured in a multi-million dollar Honda commercial during the Super Bowl. Oh. And Doherty released a statement um, saying that Broderick probably wasn't the greatest choice of drivers knowing his past. <laughs> I guess he played like a driver in the oh car commercial. God. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Right. It's just a weird story. And I do remember, maybe we can post it, seeing, um, like an image of him and Jennifer Gray. I think it might've been in a car, not related to the accident, but just like paparazzi seeing them yes. on vacation together. That's sort of a, uh, I think they were really trying to do this secret in the middle of nowhere yeah. vacation. And obviously that was like a major bust, like. Well, obviously, they he killed two people, but to get busted, your relationship to come out as long with this tragedy was just kind of like a weird. It's so wild. Yeah. Um, okay, the next one's sort of a short one, and that is Mitt Romney. Uh, he is obviously former presidential candidate and a senator from Utah. Um, before he was really well known nationally, he was 21 years old. He's famously Mormon and he was on a mission, which is what a lot of young Mormons do, I guess, post high school. They go into like these countries as missionaries and I try to like, convert people to Mormonism. Yeah, I feel like almost every, if you're hardcore in the church, like you do this, right? right. Like this is like a thing you have to do. So this is in 1968. He is in France, and he's driving the mission's president and four others in a car. That's only meant to hold five. Wait, sorry. Yeah, so that's like six. Like they had one other person stuffed in there. He, at some point, this vehicle that they're driving in was hit head on, or they collided head on with another vehicle. Romney was seriously injured in this accident, and the president's wife, Leola Anderson, was killed in this accident. Now... The victim's son has said that he didn't blame Romney for the accident. So I guess Romney was driving. Yeah. Um, and this woman died in this head-on collision. But there's no there's no like story about like what exactly happened. It was just another road incident. Yeah. Um, I don't think Romney was ever even necessarily about to be charged with anything. 
Um, and there was sort of one rumor that he wasn't actually driving, that someone else was driving and had been drinking, but they're Mormons. Yeah. So that would be weird. Like That's an extra I mean, scandal. It would be, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's actually the biggest scandal. Uh, one of the reasons I added this story, and this is so petty of me, is because I wanted to talk about oh, thank God. briefly oh, thank God. <laughs> how Mitt Romney's favorite meat is hot dog. Oh. I find that to be insane. Yeah. It's like, insane. I cannot like get over that. She, I think it's really weird. It is like what uh, an alien trying to look like a human would say. <laughs> like, also, it's the most Mitt Romney thing to say about what his favorite meat is. It's very Mitt Romney, and it's not that I don't even like hot dogs. I do, but would you ever say hot dog was your favorite? That's meat? not a meat. That's a food. <laughs> That's not a meat. Yeah, meat would just be an unprocessed thing like whatever a steak or a chicken because, or pork because a hot dog could technically be a beef hot dog or a veggie or dog. a veggie dog or a pork hot dog or a combination of snouts i don't know right or anuses aren't they anuses <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it is but hot dog is not a meat i i just think it's a weird answer and it definitely sounds like i am a human being i like hot dogs that is my favorite meat like, right. like <laughs> It kind of like plays into this idea that he isn't like a down to earth guy. Like right. he's always trying to be kind of like low key and chill. But he's secretly an alien. Well, and he is a little uptight. Look, he's very uptight. Yeah. Doesn't he so, have my, isn't he the magic underwear guy? Well, I mean, more, that's all Mormons. Oh yeah, or a that lot is of Mormons. like all Mormons. Yeah. Look, that's their least uptight thing. Is that they have magic underwear? <laughs> yeah, I mean, magic. How is it magic? Do you know? You like were kind of raised by Mormons. What is I that? I wasn't that level of Mormon where I was wearing the underwear. But I don't what know that is it's, the underwear? It's not magical. Uh, I think that's like a joke people make. It's a holy thing and you're protecting your body. Look, I'm going to just... I'm like talking up my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it's something... You you kind of it's like only between you and your husband. It's like a modesty thing, like a um, religious sacred type garment. But like, everyone wears underwear. No, but these are full body, Rachel. Oh, they're like shorts, and your whole body is covered. It's like a unitard. Yeah, but like with sh- with um, shorts and like sleeves. Yeah. So it's like not just underwear. It's a full body thing where you're that you protecting wear under your modesty. Your clothes. Yes, and I. I I mean, I'm sure people will correct me. I don't really know if it's something you have to wear all the time or like what the deal is. I always just pictured like magical tidy whities No, no. You can look it up. I'm going to. And I've seen Mormon porn before. What? Of course. Desi. (laughs) What the fuck is Mormon porn? It's little, it's like young women who are like, you know, in this very conservative... (laughs) environment and they start sexually exploring and they have the underwear on in the porn and they like take it off and it's like oh (laughs) we're sinning (laughs) it's like a lot of it is lesbian oh yeah it's a lot of lesbian i know that's why i like it okay the other thing is speaking of mitt romney and hot dogs what about him driving with his dog on his roof oh I know yeah. we talked about that Did briefly. Did we talk about that? Yeah, it sounded familiar. One day we're going to actually read the whole story about it. Okay. Yeah, because we had a different idea of what had happened. Well, there was, yeah. We talked about it a oh, couple Oh, we talked weeks about it when my mom's dog jumped out the window. Right, right, uh-huh. right. Um, okay. Uh, enough about that. Now we're moving on to Howard Hughes. So you might know Howard Hughes. He's a billionaire. He was a recluse at the end of his life. He pee-peed in jars in his room. <laughs> 
That's like my first impression of Howard Hughes. Me too. By whenever the way. I think of him, I watched some like show that was like in search of, or one of those shows where they it's kind of like mysteries and paranormal. Yeah, and they had a whole episode on him, and I was like, who the fuck? And it's like they only had drawings of him, and it was like Tom Cruise in uh, what's that movie where he's on the island? That's that's with Tom the volleyball. Hanks. Tom Hanks, Castaway, yeah. Castaway, right? Whatever. Uh, he had that look with the beard and he was skinny. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the drawings. And I was like, who is that? And then I found out this whole Hollywood thing. I was like, oh my God, that's that guy. Now, obviously he also had the biopic a few years ago, The Aviator with yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, he's probably going to be an episode one day for us for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so in June of 1936, Hughes was planning on one of his like flights around the world. Um, he was very into aviation, as yeah. you probably know if you saw The Aviator, at least. Um, he actually even got into a few plane crashes like himself. Like Obviously, he survived. Um, so he's really into experimental aircraft and all of this nonsense. Um, on July 11th, 1936, Hughes got into another kind of crash, and that was with a vehicle. He struck and killed a pedestrian named Gabrielle. Gabriel S. Meyer with his car at the corner of 3rd and Lorraine in in Los Angeles. Now, there was another passenger in the car at the time that was an heiress that he was having a fling with at the same time he was seeing Catherine Hepburn. She actually... Catherine didn't care. No, she's a lesbian. Catherine, I mean, sorry, the heiress fled the scene so she didn't get busted when the police, like, came to, like, investigate this. Yeah. It wasn't a hit and run, but, like, you know, he hit this pedestrian who died. Um, after the crash, Hughes is then taken to the hospital as well, and he was basically certified, in quotes, as sober, <laughs> but an attending doctor made a note that Hughes seemed like he had been drinking, <laughs> so his official result was, like, clean, but the doctor was kind of like, eh, this guy's a little I'm off. not so sure. I mean, I don't know what drink drinking testing was back then. Yeah. It must have been very basic. Like, he seems drunk or not, right? Right. Like, there's probably no breathalyzer. Or even a blood test at that time that you could take, right? Yeah. So um, a witness to the crash told police that Hughes was driving erratically and too fast and that Meyer, the victim, had been standing in the safety zone of a streetcar stop. Hughes was booked on suspicion of negligent homicide and held, held overnight in jail until his attorney, Neil McCarthy, obtained a writ of habeas corpus for his release pending a coroner's inquest. Hughes was questioned for hours and still refused to name the woman, by the way. Who like, he was with. Yeah, who he was with. So that's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> he wasn't a snitch. He wasn't a snitch. By the time the coroner's inquiry sort of came about, the witness changed his story hmm, and claimed that Meyer had actually moved in front of Hughes's car. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we eventually do find out who the heiress is. Her name is Nancy Bailey. She comes forward. Um, she's in, she was the person who was in the car with Hughes at the time of the crash, and she basically corroborates his version of the story. So who knows why she finally came forward, but I'm guessing Moolah. Um, on July 16th, 1936, Hughes was held blameless by a coroner's jury at the inquest into the victim Meyer's death. Hughes told reporters outside the inquiry, I was driving slowly and a man stepped out of his darkness in front of me, out of the darkness in front of me. It was well known at that time, though, if you had enough money, the DA could be bought. And like now where money and power don't mean you get away with murder or manslaughter or anything. Right, Rachel? No, Especially it's totally if you're a billionaire or a millionaire. Uh, yeah. So great. Fuck these people. Give us some money on our Patreon, you billionaire bitches. <laughs> <laughs> 
then we'll forgive you. Yes. Um, okay. So next up, Caitlyn Jenner. And this is a more recent one. So obviously we all know who Caitlyn Jenner is, former Olympic gold medalist and sometimes member of the Kardashian clan. Yes. Like that's where we all know her from. Uh, and she was famously involved in a case of vehicular manslaughter just a few years ago. Yep. Now, the funny thing is like my memory of this, I had it completely reversed. This actually happened before she came out in her big interview with Diane Sawyer that she was transgender. I think that happened in April. And this accident happened in February. Yeah. Like, I remembered it happening afterwards, but I, I do know it was around the same. I did have a memory that it was around the same time. Um, and I feel like there was some aspect of the initial crash where there was like paparazzi or something. I can't remember well, exactly. Well, there was a period of time where the paparazzi were particularly... They were after her. Gross in speculating. Yes. Is she transitioning? And I feel like this this might have been a catalyst where she's like, I need to say what's happening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah could have been. Because they were on her ass all the time. Right. And I think this was sort of just like this final straw. And then a few months later, she did the big interview. Right. Uh, so... Anyway, in February of 2015, she was involved in a fatal multiple vehicle collision on the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. Uh, Kim Howell, who is an animal rights act, who was an animal rights activist and actress, was killed. Uh, basically, what happened was um, there was a Toyota Prius that slowed down and got rear-ended by another car, which was being driven by the person who died and then Jenner's Cadillac Escalade hit them from behind. So it was like a three car pile up. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so she was like not the cause of the accident. She was just the final blow and she had a huge fucking right. car. So this car that was with the woman inside basically got crushed, pushed it into oncoming traffic and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Now I was actually in a very, similar accident. And I think this happens a lot in LA where one car slows down all of a sudden out of nowhere. And it's like a chain reaction of cars hitting each other. Mine happened getting off the freeway where it was like clear. And then all of a sudden one of the cars stopped and then it was just like, and I was the last car. So I hit, I couldn't stop in time. Uh, so I was the third car and like very similar. I was like her position, the, the caboose, like the last car, right. but obviously I didn't have a huge car and no one died in my accident. And I was, I was actually, um, I think I got, I had to, I was like the car, like, or it was my fault. Like I didn't get, because I couldn't because stop in time. Because you were the ba- last one. Look, I may have been tweeting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like. It wasn't no fault, but it was like I had to pay. Like I didn't my insurance. I I had to suffer the consequences because I sh- I guess technically I should have stopped in time. And I gotta say, the Pacific Coast Highway, like in Malibu, fucking sucks ass in terms of like driving. Right. I haven't been there in so long. But I, it's like one lane. No, it's each two way. lanes. But it's Look, is it two lanes both both ways? I'm gonna tell you, it's okay. two lanes both ways. And I ride my bike. I've ridden my bike on PCH. Going to Malibu, through Malibu, all like a lot. I've ridden my bike. And it's, first of all, it's terrifying riding your bike because those cars are going like 70 miles an hour. There's this teeny tiny little like bike lane on the side and you're just like riding right past the cars. It's fucking horrific. And everyone is like super aggressive on that highway. And they're also like like pulling off into these little shopping yeah, there's all these like, yeah, it's like you're going from 70 miles an hour to like pulling into a parking spot. Right. It's right. like, it's awful. They need to like fix it. It's like a little too busy for the small town aspect that it yeah. has. 
Um, anyway, there was speculation that she was going to be charged with vehicular manslaughter, but eventually there's just not an evidence. No one could really prove that she did anything wrong. She basically didn't stop in time. Like she wasn't speeding, uh, or anything like that. There were some, uh, sort of civil suits that were settled, but none of that money was ever disclosed. It is always so wild to me about like, like the laws with driving that like, even if you're like driving on the freeway and you slam your brakes on, it's still the person behind you's fault. Yeah. You're for the crash. Yeah. That's how I felt with mine. I was like, it wasn't my fault. This asshole stopped when we were all flowing. Right. Like, yeah, maybe I was distracted and I should have been paying attention. But sometimes you can't stop in time. Yeah. No, I, that's, you know that feeling when you know you can't stop in time. Yeah. Like, it's pretty Even awful. if you're totally paying attention yeah. to everything, sometimes it's like... Well, sometimes I've had close calls where I was not paying attention, and then all of a sudden traffic stops, and you're like, sh- you stop in time, but you're like, fuck, I need to pay attention. Right. Because that happens in LA all the time. Like, yes. All of a sudden, it's just like, whatever. Stopped. It's just stopped out of nowhere. Okay. So now we're kind of going back into the political arena again, but this one's like a real doozy, and that is Laura Bush. Now, in May 2000, a two-page police report um, talked about a fatal accident that took place in their Midland, Texas, in 1963 and was finally made public. So this was made public because of the election. Probably. And this was a big story when it happened because, I mean, whatever you think of George W. Bush, Laura has a pretty good reputation as just being whatever, like a nice lady. (laughs) She doesn't have any particular... She's not like a villain like Nancy Reagan (laughs) was, kind of. She's just whatever, right? Um... But it was pretty scandalous because she, when she was 17 years old, Laura Welch, which is her maiden name, ran a stop sign and caused a car accident that resulted in the death of the sole occupant of the vehicles that she struck. So she killed a guy like when she was 17 years old. Um, According to the report, the future first lady had been driving her Chevrolet sedan to a local drive-in theater on a very clear night at around 8 p.m. on November 6, 1963. She entered an intersection that had a stop sign and collided with a Corvair sedan that was driven by a 17-year-old boy named Michael Douglas. Not the famous actor, (laughs) obviously. Um, Laura was like with a friend in the car and her friend was 17-year-old Judy Dykes. I'm sorry. sorry. I can't stop laughing at that name for some reason. People died, Debbie. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at the death. That's sad. But Judy Dykes. We did laugh. We laughed at Michael Douglas. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at the victim. That's horrible. Um, So, (laughs) Rachel. um, So, obviously, there's a lot of questions here. How fast was she driving? Why did she blow past the the stop Stop sign? sign? Like... Um, uh, in this initial report that was released, um, there's parts of the report that are illegible, which sort of created this like scandal. She was wasted. Or like what's in the illegible part? Oh, you can only cops wrote down. Well, they have these sections that people couldn't read. Right. I don't know if it was like photocopied a million times or just smudged or whatever. So people were very suspicious of these illegible sections. If only this had come out in the days of Twitter. I'm sure we have some hilarious it's very interpretations. Like, you can picture like already 4chan, like mouth watering, like we got to get to the bottom of this like, <laughs> QAnon or whatever the fuck. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, biographies. two biographies written about Laura Bush refer to her as as having been going about 50 miles per hour at the time of the collision and the speed limit on this portion of the road was 55 miles per hour so she wasn't going you know 
faster faster than she was legally allowed to. According to the police report, neither driver had been drinking, but no tests were performed. Um, no charges were filed as a result of the accident. Now, news accounts from 1963 reported that the young man had been thrown from his car and basically died of a broken neck. Like, he died probably instantly. Wow. Uh, he was pronounced dead on arrival at Midland Memorial Hospital. And according to those biographies, um, the boy's father had been traveling in a car immediately behind his son and witnessed oh the whole my thing. God. Isn't that awful? Can you imagine seeing that? Like, <gasps> ugh. ugh. So... The two girls were taken to the hospital as well, but they had very minor injuries, like bumps and bruises. Um, the other thing about um, this story is that Michael Douglas was like a very popular boy. He was like, uh, whatever I read was like, he was really hot. He was like an athlete. Everyone loved him. He was popular. Um, he was nominated like most popular. Like that's how wow. popular he was. And then there are rumors. And this is how, he went to school with Laura too, by the way. Yeah. Um, there are rumors that those two dated and that they were in a relationship. And this is where a lot of the speculation and conspiracy theory aspects come into play. And they're all kind of silly, but I'm going to go into them. So the, the nature of their relationship has always been like something that was questioned. One rumor said that the two had never dated, but that Laura had been romantically interested in him. Another rumor is that he had been Laura's boyfriend when he died. And another is that he had been her boyfriend, but they had broken up before the accident happened. So some of the things about the accident, I think people have trouble understanding is that like, I know these kind of intersections. There's actually some when you're driving up in Sonoma County where there's like these four-way stops. There's nothing around you yeah. for miles. It's open land. It's kind of dark. Yes. But you could see headlights. Like, right. If you're seeing someone come, you would be very obvious on a dark night where it's empty like that and you can see it's just flat land for miles and, and miles. And it's also odd having a, a stop. Is it traffic lights? Were they traffic it's lights? It's a stop sign. So it's odd having a stop sign on a road that's 55 miles an hour speed limit too. Yeah, that is kind of odd. You know? But I think on these big open roads, which they probably have a ton of in Texas, like I just know there's like this certain intersection I'm thinking of when I drive up to Sonoma County. I don't quite remember where it is exactly. It might be Sonoma. But I know the kind of road you're talking about. Uh, So anyway, that's not really, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, I just know these intersections. So it's like you would see a car coming do you know what I mean? Even if you didn't have a stop sign, you'd kind of see in the distance the lights coming towards right. you at night. Absolutely. Um, and the intersection was not a four-way stop, so she was the only one who had to stop. He had the right of way. Um, and there was no neg- like bad weather conditions. He was coming like uh, adjacent to her. Right. So she basically like T-boned him or right. whatever. Uh, she blew through her stop sign and hit him as he was crossing. Now... According to Laura Bush in her 2010 autobiography, she said, a dangerous intersection, a less than safe car. He was driving a Corvair, which is, by the way, one of like the cars that Ralph Nader went after. They were kind of prone to rollovers and considered not like a, ba- yeah. a great car, but they are kind of cool looking. Um, <laughs> like I can see why people wanted it. Like um, she said that she also blamed her vision, like she had bad vision. So she feels like that added to why she didn't stop. Like she didn't see the stop sign. She said that that may play a part or perhaps it was simply too dark. Judy and I were talking and I was an inexperienced driver who got to a corner before I expected it to. Like I think she did see the stop sign last minute and then just had already, it was too late to stop. 
Um, so as I said, there are some people who think that like they've speculated that she deliberately crashed into this guy, like, oh, he he rejected me. So, <laughs> I'm gonna like put this elaborate crash right. together and like that's his car. I recognize his Corvair. Like it's an insane thing to speculate that yeah. she would have done that on purpose. There's no there's no even if she saw it last minute, it was like, hey, is that Michael? I'm going to T-bone Yeah, him. I mean, it's like an insane thing to think, but obviously people are going to fucking do what they want to do. Everything's not Illuminati. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes things are just tragic Some and boring. Some things are just tragic accidents, and it's it, it just all the all the elements align to make it happen. Right. And none of them are necessarily... A conspiracy. conspiracy. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It was a big story when it happened, though. Right, because it was. no one knew it, and I think he had also had a few drunk driving things that came. Oh up yeah, and he got DUIs and shit. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. 
So the next person we're going to talk about, and this guy is for sure having his own episode because I read some stuff about him that had me fucking roaring. So I'm not going to get into a lot of stuff that's not related to it because I do want to do him at some point. And that is Who drummer Keith Moon. Look, The Who has a lot of interesting stories in there within their group that I'm sure we'll get to. One of them, well, Pete Townsend had that whole weird with the ch- thing with the child. Porn. Yeah. Like that's a crazy weird story. We just should just do a whole who episode. I know. I feel like it's two episodes because there's also that insane concert where 11 fans died. Yes. Uh, that's a, yes. a crazy story that I, I listened to something on that recently. Uh, and then, you know, John Entwistle had an overdose in t- 2002. They just have like a ton of stuff. And then Keith Moon is his whole, he's a train wreck. I love him. Um, so at some point back in the day, Keith Moon, his wife and friends all go to the opening of a, a pub in Hatfield, Hatfordshire, Hatfield, Hatfield, Jesus Christ, Hatfield, Hatfordshire. Which can I, I guess just is say, okay. Can I just say that shout out to like all towns in Britain. They have the best names. They're <laughs> yeah. all like Shire. Yeah, they're Shire. <laughs> so he's going to the opening of a pub called the Red Lion, which is the name of a place by us, right? Yes. It's a German place. I love that place. It's such horrible food though. That's like my only complaint. Cause it's like, I would go there all the time if the food was remotely good. It's like always red in there. I just love that vibe in there. It kind of smells like skank. Beer. You can't, like, I you, just, you can't believe that it's in Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't know. It, I just love the vibe. So they're at a pub called the Red Lion at a in pub, where Hartfordshire? Hartfordshire. Hatfield, Hartfordshire. Hatfield, Hartfordshire. <laughs> yes. So, you know, he's rock starring it up in there. Um, what year is this? This is, I think it's 1970. Ni- Wait, I'm sorry. I'll get to the year later. I don't have it here. It's like early 70s. He dies in like 78. So I think this is like early 70s, 73. Um, So he's going to this pub that's not like a rock star hangout. It's like local working class people. Right. And he's there like driving up in his Bentley. Yeah. Like fucking getting wasted. Yeah. Which is like, can you even imagine the scene was like insane? Now there were like a lot of skinheads at this pub so it's not a very safe environment as far as rowdy drunks go (laughs) and at some point they take offense to moon's display of rock star excess like yeah they get pissed off at him uh, basically so i mean i like i mentioned before he literally drove up in a bentley and like parked in front of this fucking working class pub with like this huge fucking whatever, what are those, $100,000 cars? I have no idea. It's like the most expensive car, right? Yeah. Bentley's and Rolls Royces. Right. Like, come on, we all know. Um, so he also is like in this this pub drinking brandy, like expensive oh. brandy. So they're like, why don't you drink yeah. a beer, mate? Yeah. They're all drinking beers and he's like, oh, excuse me, like this bottle they probably had to like dust off. Right. Like that they've never even opened because <laughs> no one fucking buys it. So he ends up staying till closing time almost. And by that point, the scene is getting really fucking abusive and loud and raucous there. So he's like, you know what? <laughs> Let's get out of here. First of all, why are you ever even leaving your mansion? Like, right. Just fucking stay home. Don't go out and driving. He and his group get back into the Bentley. And then they get surrounded by patrons of the bar who start rocking the car and throwing things at the car, including coins and like bottles and like whatever they can get their fucking hands on and basically preventing the car from being able to pull out. Yeah. So the Keith's um, bodyguard gets out of the car and confronts the skinheads in front of the car's hood. Now, Moon 
was not, he didn't drive. He didn't even drive when he was sober. He gets behind the wheel, <laughs> sorry, and he's thinking, I'm going to save my friends and drive them to safety, which yeah. is like the drunkest fucking mentality totally. ever, right? <sighs> I mean, sadly, what happens is he goes to move this Bentley. He moves it forward. His bodyguard gets <gasps> caught underneath the car and basically is dragged down the road oh, as, as Keith Moon just kind of drives no. away. So the, the person who gets killed is, is actually in his group, but it's the bodyguard who was trying to get the oh, people out of the way no. so he could pull out. So not the skinheads. No, I, the fucking he, bodyguard. I thought he was going to kill some skinheads. Nope. He kills his fucking friend. And oh. that guy is pronounced dead at the hospital that night. He is charged with the death of this bodyguard as well as drunk driving and driving without a license or insurance. Six weeks later, uh, the death is ruled an accident and Moon is cleared, um, although he would later plead guilty to the drunk driving uh, and the driving charges. The tragedy obviously haunted Moon the rest of his life. He eventually does die on September 7th, 1978. Now, there are some conflicting reports on whether Moon was driving or not. Um, one, the bodyguard's daughter is convinced that his wife was actually behind the wheel. Um, but Moon's biography biographer, a man named Tony Fletcher, uh, he he says that he confirmed by numerous people that it was Moon. And I don't yeah. know why he would take the blame right? when he sort of had more to lose as the famous. Like, why would he? I don't know. I guess you could take credit. You would maybe want to protect your wife. But no, he did it. Um, and then, as I said, he does die. He did, he basically dies. I, I mean, it's a drug overdose, but there are there was some speculation that it was with suicidal tendencies. Like, no one really knows. It was a drug that you take um, when you're trying to get over alcohol. Like, there's some kind of drug that and helps. abuse. I can't remember if that's what it was. No, and abuse is what you take when to when you're trying to relieve the symptoms of getting off of alcohol. No, and abuse is what they give you. They're like. Take this so you don't drink because the impetus is that you won't drink because if you drink on anabuse, it makes you violently throw up. But the thing they don't get about alcoholics is that alcoholics don't give a shit and they'll just be like, well. No, I don't think it was that. It was something with an H, but it might be something that they don't even use anymore. Like, like a Suboxone have or something? A, have a something, I think I it was. Know. I can't remember. Like some kind of weaning off alcohol. Right, because you do get like DTs or whatever. Yes, um, you so can I think die it was, from that. I think it was something to help transition off of that, although I don't know that he ever really stopped right. drinking. Right, right. Uh, anyway, as I said, we'll definitely do episodes on all of these stories because it's his his wikipedia page alone was fucking insane right <laughs> and i was like jesus fucking christ we'll do a like, whole who saga <clears throat> we got you okay next up we're still in the world of rock and that is um motley crew lead singer vince neal and if you just saw the movie the dirt that came out a few months ago i highly recommend it even though it's a piece of shit uh this is a big moment in that movie yeah did you have you saw the dirt i right? still haven't seen it oh, you haven't i oh, know God. i know so one of the big scenes in the movie, The Dirt, takes place in December of 1984, and that is when Vince Neil is completely fucking shit-cased, uh, shit-cased, what the fuck, <laughs> shit-faced. <laughs> I really like that shit-cased. Shit-cased, whatever. He gets into a car with um, the drummer from a band called Hanoi Rocks, which was like a Finnish metal band back in the 80s. Uh, and that guy's name is Razzle. It's kind of one of those scenes in the movie where this guy Razzle comes in all of a sudden. He's like a real character. And you're sort of like, something's going to happen to this guy. Because <laughs> right. it's like, he's too full of life and like right. whatever. It's like one of those classic tropes. 
So basically what happens is they're like at a party and I want to say it's like in Huntington Beach or something. Right. It's like one of their big McMansions. It's like, I think, you know, it's like the height of their fame. They're having one of those fucking insane parties. Uh, him and Razzle leave to go get more booze, I think. Um, they basically hit, have a head-on collision um, with another car. Razzle is killed pretty much instantly. And the two other passengers in the other car, a woman named Lisa Hogan and Daniel Smithers, they pretty much have like severe brain damage. Like they're yeah. fucked up for life. They don't die, but it's like bad. It wasn't even, t- he got arrested like immediately and taken to the police station. And once he arrives at the police station, he finds out that Razzle died. According to uh, Vince Neal in the book, The Dirt, the impact of the accident finally caught up with me. I felt it not just emotionally, but physically as if I had been smashed with a hundred whiskey bottles. My ribs tore at my torso so bad I could hardly move and pain shot through my face every time I spoke or winked. He obviously is thinking about how he'll never see his friend again, friends, his friend Razzle again. Um, he thinks about all the circumstances leading up to the crash and like how all of these different things could have led to a different series of events. Yeah. Like it could have even been worse. It could have, you know, he could have died, obviously. Um, he, he basically, he doesn't want to face anyone. Like he's fucking like, you know what I mean? He knows like he's fucked up. I'm sure there's this moment in like addicts lives where you really fucking know you yeah. fucked up in yes. a major way, right? Like, yes. obviously you never killed anyone, but I would imagine that's a crushing fucking blow when you're like, fuck, like... Oh, no. I mean, yeah. I, I've never, I never killed anyone, but I certainly did some pretty awful Or you probably things. had things where you're like, that could have been so much worse, but I lucked out. I, I mean, have, I've had that even as a non-alcoholic right. person. Like, yeah. one mistake, or, or just by luck, something didn't happen, whether it's an accident or a fall or yeah. whatever. Um, so he is charged with vehicular manslaughter slaughter, and he turns himself in at the preliminary hearing. He came face to face with the parents of the two, uh, other victims in the other car. They looked at me like I was Satan. He said in the dirt, uh, these people were injured for the rest of their lives. Like when I saw them, you could tell they were very fucked up. That was probably more emotional than going to jail. Not probably, definitely. Now, obviously at this point, Hanoi rocks that band, they cancel the rest of their Euro- U.S. tour. That band kind of never really recovers. They basically play a bit more. Well, their they, lead singer. No, he's the drummer. Oh, okay. But it wasn't like they were a big band no. really anyway. But yeah, they pretty much break up at that point. Um, and according to Vince's ex-wife, she also confirms like Razzle's death death really changed his life forever. Before Razzle died, Vince was a happy drunk. And after that, he turned dark. <laughs> I don't think he's ever recovered. I just like that that was considered a happy drunk. Like, uh, he was a happy drunk when he killed people or like got into this accident. Like that's pretty like dark. Like, yeah. um, so he's out on $2,500 bail. Um, their manager at the time, a man named Doc McGee tells the singer he, Uh, was being court-ordered to go to rehab. I spent the next 30 days in detox undergoing intense therapy, Neil said in his biography, Tattoos and Tequila, which was basically reliving... (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. You can tell how seriously you take sobriety. That could also be the same name as like a Guy Fieri autobiography. Totally. Or a Sammy Hagar. Tattoos and Tequila. It's... Pretty it's brilliant. So, which was basically reliving the accident over and over again while frowning therapists jotted down their observations. Um, but what Vince was really upset about at the time was his bandmates. He felt very like 
abandoned by them, by him, by them during this period. Um, he thought that Nikki Six phoned him shortly after he entered rehab, but none of them really visited him enough or whatever. That's just such a selfish attitude. It's like, yeah, your friends suck, but you also <laughs> suck too. Like, yeah, it's like a weird thing to focus on. In Vince's opinion, they all had this sort of morality about it. Right. He's like, you guys have all fucking driven drunk or worse. Or I've seen you do other stuff. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. They have all driven drunk. We know this. Like, there's no way they haven't. Uh, In fact, Lee, Tommy Lee was even in an accident on his motorcycle that crushed the hand of another um, musician who was in some whatever, some metal band you never heard of. So, and obviously we all know Nikki Six had a fucking major heroin addiction at this time as well. Um, according to Six, Vince was my bandmate, my best friend, my brother, and I didn't call him, I didn't visit him, I didn't support him in any way, whatever. I was, as usual, only interested in indulging myself. When I thought about Vince, it wasn't with pity, it was, sorry, it wasn't with pity, it was with anger, as if he was the bad guy and the rest of the members were innocent victims of his wrongdoing. And that seems, that makes sense to me, because they're all kind of narcissist in this fucking band, all probably varying degrees of, like, addictions yeah they're not like great friends at this time (laughs) like yeah but i can see them all piling on him because it's like oh you got you're the one in trouble like you killed someone it takes the heat off of your own yeah they can elevate themselves as not that bad like of course yeah i mean if you're every alcoholic always has one friend that's like a little bit worse than them so Neil gets out of rehab, and that's when they do their album. They start sessions for their album, Theater of Pain, which probably is like maybe their biggest album because it had that huge hit, Home Sweet Home, on it, like the ballad. Yeah. <laughs> the ballads always do well. Yeah. It was like their crossover, like whatever pop chart hit. Yeah. Like it was definitely a huge thing. Um, so at this point, he's like out, and they're like the minute he goes into the studio to start recording, like this is after being in rehab. Um, Nikki Six offers him a line of heroin. Like that's the that's the thing they start doing. They start giving him cocaine, making fun of him, like you pussy, that kind of like like trying to get him to drink and, and do yeah. drugs again. And because that's probably another thing. You don't want other people to be clean no. when you're still an addict. Um so he confronts his bandmates. You guys slip me smack and I'm the fucking problem. You know, I know what you're thinking. I killed Razzle. <laughs> could have happened to any one of you, which is exactly true. It could have been any of them. Now, he, as a condition of his release from jail in advance of the trial, he was required to remain sober. So like this shit from the band was like really fucking him, like not just like bad for his health or whatever, or his sobriety, like he could actually just be fucking thrown in prison right. um, for breaking his, whatever his deal was. Um, and he said that they would blow marijuana in his face. They would like hide cocaine in his food, like the plate, his plate of food. That's like, gross. It's fucking, yeah, it's awful. And if he was like, like if they're all drinking and he wasn't drinking, they'd all kind of like, you know, make fun of him. Um, but luckily he did sort of uh, stick to it because he knew like he was fucked if he didn't fucking stay sober, basically. They basically created the separation between him and the band. Like that's probably eventually what led to their breakup because they really drew this line like we're the three amigos and you're the fucking sober dipshit killer, like whatever. Like yeah. they really created this like division between them all. Did Vince Neil ever stay sober? Um, I'm not really sure i think he had another i think he is sober now um but let me just get through this so he 
does plead guilty and is sentenced to 30 days in jail. He has a $2.6 million restitution um, that actually came out of the band's liability insurance. He does perform 200 hours of community service, which he um, did by taking students around the country, talking to students around the country about drunk driving. Um, the vic- victim's family agreed to all of this, by the way, um, saying that the singer could be more productive using his fame to tell the story than by sitting in jail and rotting. Uh, according to events, I walked out the door of the jail after 18 days. That's what Razzle's life and permanent health of those other two kids was worth, according to the judicial system. It was kind of um, had to deal with the fact I kind of had to deal with the fact that I caused so much damage in a lot of people's lives, and basically all I got was a slap on the wrist. While I was in jail, I drank and got laid and got a nice suntan. Putting me in jail didn't do anything. Now you got laid. Yeah, I don't know if people visited him. He said it. I mean, I don't know. Was he, maybe he was fucking prisoners. I have no idea. Um, but whatever. He was basically saying jail was nothing. While he was away, uh, his wife, Beth, and the couple's daughter did leave him. Uh, and he actually didn't end up seeing them till 10 years later after wow. he got out. So I wouldn't say he was exactly unaffected. But yeah, I mean, not like, not criminally. So next up is Brandy. At the time, she's 27 years old. This took place on December 30th in 2006, which, by the way, is my birthday. <laughs> Not that she did it for me. <laughs> um, so she is driving on the 405 freeway. Um, uh, she's in a Land Rover. Um, she's basically, it's another one of those accidents where it's just a fucking series of irritating LA situations where cars slow down, people don't stop in time. Um, do you remember when this happened? I do. So the woman that she hit was in a Honda. Her name is Awatifa Abudaja. She was 38 years old. She's hit by another vehicle um, that's sort of then hit by Brandy. The car slides sideways and then strikes the center divider. Um, The 405 is like a major freeway in LA. I don't know if you know it. And this is like right before it hits the 101. So it's like a pretty big traffic area. So it's always very congested. If you get if you get hit there, it's like gonna it's always gonna be a chain reaction of hitting other cars. Like yes. it's probably there are, just impossible. There is always other cars on that freeway. Um, so once she hits the center divider, like she is hit by another car. I mean, it's just the poor woman is just in this car that just keeps getting fucking pounded. Basically, so she was the first car. I think she was the second car. Like someone hit the first woman and then Brandy hit it and hit her more in. Like it, it was another one of those kind of multi-car yeah. where no one really knows who caused what. But obviously Brandy got a lot of the attention because right. she's famous. The woman does die like on her way to the hospital. She basically just had blunt force injuries and whatever. She couldn't survive. She's a young woman. She's 38 years old. She's a mom. Like it's just sad. Um the other woman who was involved in the car accident is also taken to the hospital, and Brandy was not injured. Um, she's obviously tested. She wasn't under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time of the crash. And she's pretty much from the start, like immediately fucking devastated I, and I apologetic remember. that she's involved in this in any way. Um, she's said multiple times she was on Oprah, like pretty recently, and she still is like. I can't believe I was involved in something so tragic. I couldn't believe it then. I don't think something I could ever get over or truly ever understand, but that was one of the worst times in my life. Um, She did say that she spoke to the loved ones of the woman who died um, and that she basically 
felt like she faced a lot of harsh judgment and verbal attacks. And I do remember like people coming down on Brandy yeah. and not quite knowing. Like, I think initially I heard, heard this negativity directed towards her. And it was shocking when you found out what the accident was. It's like, she didn't do anything. Like, right. she was just in a fucking car accident. Like, right. it could have happened to anyone. Like, a lot of these incidents. Um, and, you know, she said she got through it for God, with God and all of that faith and, and whatever. So, I mean, she's moved on, obviously. But I do, like, hearing the story again, like... I did forget how like it really was just more of this accident as opposed to like it wasn't her. Don't being you think reckless. your initial re- your initial like well, that reaction was, to the when you heard the case it was like what did she fucking do? Well, because yeah. that was the narrative of the press at the time. Yeah, it was, was weird. That it was Brandy was out of control and she uh, hit someone and killed someone. Even when I was doing this, I mean, obviously I knew Brandy would be one of my picks, but like. My memory was that she did something reckless, even if it wasn't like drunk driving or whatever. Right, she was, was like a bad too. driver or she was just like changing lanes without looking or whatever. Like you thought I, my impression was that she had a little bit more fault, but she had no fault. She was never charged with anything, even like reckless drive, like nothing. Like it but was just I'm an saying that that was like the spin that the media put on it. Yeah. It was like Brandy, vehicular yeah, manslaughter. Like. Absolutely. So that was weird. Okay. So I picked this one to do last. It's a really sad story, but I have a funny addendum after it. So hopefully it will make all of the sad stories like a little more, uh, we'll end on a happier note or a funnier note at least. And that is um, the actress Rebecca Gayhart. Now, you might know Rebecca Gayhart as the Noxima girl. That was like her first big claim to fame, right? Yep. She was in these Noxima commercials. Um I remember her as Antonio Marchette, <laughs> Antonio Marchette on Beverly Hills. Did yeah. you see her? Yeah. She was Luke Perry's mobster, like daughter of a mobster girlfriend that he was with after, was it after uh, Kelly? And she's also in the 1999 uh, classic Jawbreaker. Oh, right. Uh, so yeah, I, that, that was definitely where I definitely knew her from. Definitely where I knew her from was the Beverly Hills when she played that. And I knew her from the Noxima, obviously, Yeah, of too. course. Um, so then she's been in, in other things as well. Um, so basically she is filming a movie or she was filming a movie with a, a guy. Uh, I think it was like, what's that movie with Quentin Tarantino did with Salma Hayek where they're like, she's a stripper. Oh, oh. I can't remember. There was like a part two of that movie. Um, no, I know, I know. Was it Once Upon a Time? No, no. that's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wait, what was it? Oh my God, it's completely slipping my head right now. She's filming part... God, I just had this conversation with someone. I know. I think it was us that we just were okay. trying to figure it out and we couldn't figure <laughs> it out last time. Why didn't we just go on IMDb? I don't know. Uh, anyways, her co-star in that loans her a car. So she's driving around LA in this car. She is at an intersection and she strikes a nine-year-old boy named Jorge Cruz Jr. basically in a crosswalk. like, And he dies almost instantly. She explains, like, in a later interview, like, many years after the fact, because she was completely fucked up by this accident. I mean, she killed a child. Like, yeah. Like, hit a fucking child. So she says basically what happened was a car stopped in front of her, uh, slammed on their brakes because this child was walking in the crosswalk. She, instead of slamming on her brakes, she tries to go around the car, not thinking, oh, he stopped for a reason, right? Like, so she tries to pass this person who stopped 
And then the car was stopping for a reason. A little boy had kicked a soccer ball basically into the road, went out in front of the car. The car slams his brake on. Instead of stopping herself, Rebecca decides to go around the car and hits the little boy. Is there, wait, is there a crosswalk where the guy stopped? I read that it, there was, and then I read that there wasn't. Like That is a weird thing. You have to admit, that is a weird thing to do. Like Yeah. Regardless, if someone slams their brakes on to go around them, right? Yeah, that does seem like a weird thing. Which that's her story; like she admits to it, right? No, and I believe her, but I also believe like even if someone, especially if someone slams on their brakes, like I can imagine if someone just like I don't know, maybe you go around someone, you can go around someone for lots of other reasons, but if they slam on their brakes, like at least if you're going to go around them, you're kind of like inching, like hey, what's beyond that car, right? And she does, in this radio interview that she does, she does tell listeners, like, she basically is like, never swerve around a stop car because obviously they're stopping for a reason, or most likely stopping for a reason. Uh, She says in this interview, I know it's an accident, I know it's an accident, but still, I just, God, I wish I'd stop for that pack of cigarettes down the street, or I wish I was smarter in that moment. Like, obviously, you're always thinking about what you should have done differently, or if only I left five minutes later, or whatever. Um... She pled no contest to vehicular manslaughter and was sentenced to probation, a one-year suspension of her license, a $2,800 fine, and 750 hours of community service. She also paid the $10,000 funeral expenses for the child and settled a wrongful death lawsuit with the parents of the um, boy. Um, According to her, I just didn't want to live after that accident. That's what it basically came down to. I couldn't handle it at at all. So I spent about a year just trying to kill myself, basically by doing every self-destructive thing a person can do. Uh, I didn't understand any of it. Like I, I led, you know, sort of a charmed life up until then, even though I grew up dirt poor. It just turned my world upside down and I lost faith in everything. I questioned God. I said, why me? Why Jorge? Um... So obviously, like the other people, this is something that has stayed to her, stayed with her all of this time and to this day. She still, um, she says, today I'm able to ponder those questions and still realize that I deserve to be happy, that I am meant to be on the planet, and that I have a purpose, and I'm making li- living amends for that, even though it was an accident. That's sort of the end of that story. Now I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about a story <laughs> that's sort of a more weird story that happened to Rebecca afterwards. Um, she does eventually marry an actor named Eric Dane, who you might know as McSteamy on Grey's Anatomy. He was kind of the other hot guy on Grey's Anatomy for yeah. a while. And Did you watch hot. that show? No. Um, so in August of 2009, a nude video of the couple and a Miss Teen USA contestant named Carrie Ann Panish. Panish? Penish? I honestly <laughs> have no idea how to say her name. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not penish. That's like Stompanato. Right. Penish, Stompanato, get your penish out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how to say her name. So Wait this. A <laughs> Wait, I do. Re- now that, you know how when you haven't heard a name for so long, but you heard it so much, like at the time, like you're having this weird reaction. Yeah, is it Panishy? No, but I do remember it was like Carrie and Panish. But I don't, you remember hearing that name all the time in the tabloids? Yeah, and then like, I think reading it, sometimes reading a word that you've heard a bunch, yeah. Penish. Wait, okay. let me see. <laughs> it's written. Carrie and Panish. Panish. Carrie and Panish. I like Panish. Penish. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so this is a sex tape. It's not even a sex tape because they're they don't have sex in it, but they're all naked. Yeah. Uh, they are 
romping around together. This is a pretty famous couple who weren't really known for being particularly scandalous other than her her um, manslaughter, obviously. But even that, it wasn't like she was ever a party girl. Like, no. Uh, so it's a married couple with this Teen USA cu- candidate. And she's overage at this point. She's like 25, I think, at this right. point. So she does look pretty young, but she's, you know, she's well she, more than she, legal. We just want to be clear, she's not currently... Oh, she's not a teen USA. No, 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 no. I forgot about that. She's a former teen USA. She's a former teen USA. Um, So this video gets released to TMZ and everyone's like freaking out. They're all just hanging out (laughs) naked, basically. The two of the girls are in a bathtub. Carrie Ann Peniche is with Eric Dane in bed. Um, I'm going to give you some more details about the case. So obviously they pretty much are like legal action right away because they're like, fucking successful actors who are mainstream. Right. Like they're not scandalous people like a Kardashian or whatever. Uh, and, but Carrie Ann is definitely suspected <laughs> in being the person who released it. Now she has like an interesting argument, a uh, story about it. Now the thing I knew about her, I knew her from this and then she was on celebrity rehab, which you said you never watched, right? No. Okay. She was on celebrity rehab, uh, Carrie Ann, uh, and she was on there. Her roommate on the show was Mindy McCready, uh, who was a country music star yeah. who had a r- pretty tragic life. She committed suicide eventually. Um, she Carrie Ann claims that after um, they were on Celebrity Rehab together, they were still friends, that she got into a fight with Mindy and that um, Mindy... Like she said, Mindy accused her of owing her money and she thinks that the singer broke into her apartment, took her hard drive off of the computer and that it was Mindy who released the tape to the, to press to, to get like money. get back at Carrie Ann. Right. Like not even to get money, just to be like, ha ha, like right, fuck right. you. Now, I don't know how much I believe of that because yeah. Carrie Ann definitely liked this notoriety that she yes. got from this because she didn't have any notoriety. That's the only like, thing we know her from. Yeah. Um, I guess she was on celebrity rehab, but that's but, not but necessarily. She w- but she would yeah, have, been. have been a celebrity, like yeah. Um, so obviously, this story had a lot of tabloid treatment. Like it was all over the tabloids. Um, it was a pretty crazy story. Now, in the in some of these tabloid stories, I'm like reading them. They do let out more. Uh, kind of racy moments from these homemade videos that these people did. So like it's a 12 minute clip basically. A lot of it is them naked in the bathtub. The two girls are in like a huge deep bubble bath. They're also in bed together discussing what their porn names would be at some point. Eric's porn name, by the way, he has two. There's, I'll, I'll tell you one and then the other one's in the other article. One of his was when they did the thing where it's like your first pet paired with the street you grew up on and Eric's was Cocaine Manor. I feel like he's lying. <laughs> you don't have an animal named Cocaine. No. Come on. When you're he's a trying kid? to be funny. He's a classic hot guy who would love to be funny. Oh, yeah. But he's not like funny. Um, so Rebecca films her husband with Carrie Ann in bed who's like rubbing his arm and he asked Carrie Ann at some point, you like cowboys? And Carrie Ann responds, I like to ride cam- cowboys. I'm sorry. This is so <laughs> stupid. And off camera, like Rebecca is filming her husband doing this. And she's like, good answer. <laughs> and then she lies down with him and says, I'm very high. <laughs> but that's the other thing about this video. They all are fucking wasted and on something like, probably more than pot. Like they're doing some whatever low key drugs, like pot and cocaine, maybe not like acid or anything like that. Um, so 
that's like from this one article. Uh, at some point, I think Rebecca even says, we need to erase this, which is like definitely something I would never want to be heard saying on my released sex tape. No. Like the stupid me. They like, <laughs> we definitely have to make sure, like famous last word type thing. Like, I don't know why that would make it more embarrassing for me for some reason. Um, and now, like, well, I'm trying to find the other... Oh, here's his other porn name that he came up for himself, that he would be a world champion bull rider named Tough, Tough Hederman. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. I think that's maybe what led to the cowboy conversation. Yeah. Like, he thinks he's, like, a fucking cowboy. Um, now, Carrie Ann was eventually... Like, she was... Like, actually was Miss Teen USA, I think, at some point, because she did get her crown taken away because she posed nude for Playboy shortly after... Um, she won, I guess when she was like a legal adult, she started doing like Playboy stuff yeah. and she got stripped of her crown at that point. So she did have kind of like a real, I don't want to say downfall because I think it's kind of cool <laughs> to be like a teen USA pageant winner and then just be like a Playboy model and have like fucking like, like I like that kind of like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm not the good girl is, anymore. Yeah. Like, and it's so pussy of the organization to be like, oh, how dare you? Yeah. What a bunch of nerds. It is such a nerdy thing. Like why, like when Vanessa Williams got her, it's like, who cares? Right. And she did it like, it has nothing to do with her winning. Like, right. They always have to act like there's some morality. No, you guys have swimsuit competitions. These are clean cut girls. Like, fuck you. Fuck your pageant. Shove it up your ass. (laughs) Uh, The funny thing, one, um, oh, they did also speculate that she at some point became a Hollywood madam. Oh. Like Carrie Ann. So I have no idea. Maybe she's worth looking into for us. I kind of want to be friends with Carrie Ann Panish now. Um, I like the lawyer who represented Rebecca and Eric. And he's like, it's not a sex tape. From uh, what I've seen, it's more of a naked tape. At most, <laughs> it's, it's just like the most lawyer thing ever. At most, it's three people maybe wanting to have sex. <laughs> It's clear that at some point they did have sex. They just didn't film it. They just didn't they film that. They got smart at some point right. and realized we can't do film it. Like right. they just did this sort of foreplay filming. Like yeah. it was more playful. They're naked, but like they don't really do anything at all like, right. sexual. <clears throat> um, so anyway, I just wanted to end like on a lighter note. So I thought I'd just discuss this little sex tape since we'll probably never talk about it on another episode. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's all our vehicular manslaughters. That was a lot. That was a lot. That's why. That's why I cut out some of them because I was like, I can't. I have to narrow it down somehow, right? Because there were so many. There was like more. This is a long ass episode. Okay, well, it's your hundredth episode. Yeah. So you deserve it, bitches. You do deserve it, bitches. Um, So if you want to participate in these kind of polls, you should join our Facebook group, and you can do that. Uh, at, fa- at what is it called? Hollywood Crime Scene Friends on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Kind of post more on Instagram than Twitter. But yeah. Well, maybe we'll try harder. <laughs> Twitter, I just like retweet nice things people say about us. Yeah. If you want to say something nice to us, we'll retweet you. Yeah. That's what you do. Right. Uh, and then Rachel told you about the Patreon. Yeah. So you can go there. If you want to leave us a five-star review, that's also very helpful. Yeah. We like that too. So do all of those things. We love you. Yeah, We're very thank you grateful. guys. We're so and, grateful. Um, I hope you liked your episode that you picked. <laughs> and we will see you soon. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, wait. No Friday episode this week. Desi's out of town. No, but we're going to post something. We are going to post something. It'll but be a special. It'll be a special episode, but no 
recappy. No recappy weekly. Right. We have a different thing for this Friday's episode. So you'll still be excited. We'll still post something on Friday. Yeah. Okay. You guys. Yeah. All right. We love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.